All right, welcome to another edition of the Common Man's Take on Sports with Kevin. And Quentin. All right, so we got a special request from a uh, new follower. He requested that we review uh, Indiana Hoosiers foot, football uh, for this year, so we will do that on the second half of the show. First half of the show, I want to talk about a topic um, with Quentin that I wasn't sure if I'd like it or not. Uh, it has to do with Major League Baseball. Um, I wasn't sure when they first announced for the 2023 season they were going to have a pitch clock. I don't know how I would like it, but to be honest, um, I've been paying attention for most of the season, and um, it sped the game up a little bit, but to be honest, it doesn't really seem to affect the players. The players and pitchers seem to have, just, have, have adjusted just fine. Um, all the games that I've watched, it doesn't seem to be bothering either one, pitcher or uh, batter. And so for those of you um, who don't know, if the, the pitcher with nobody on base, once the pitcher steps on the mound, he has 15 seconds to get into his pitching motion, motion and throw a pitch. If there's runners on bases, once he steps on the mound, he has 20 seconds to get into his throwing motion and throw a pitch. Um, so the games have been a little bit faster now. An average time of nine inning game uh, in 2019 was three hours and 10 minutes. 2020 was three hours and six minutes. 21 was three hours and 11 minutes. 22 was three hours and six minutes. So you're looking around three hours, uh, 10 or six minutes. Uh, this year, it's been two hours and 39 minutes is the average time for a baseball game. So you've, you've improved by about a half an hour. A little bit more. So, you know, you haven't shortened the game too much. Just a little bit. And uh, so, to be honest with you, I think I kind of like it. I think I like the pitch clock. Uh, I think it uh, forces the pitchers and the batters to be ready. And, uh, you know, honestly, unless you're getting up to go to the bathroom... And if you're at the stadium and you're going to go to the bathroom, it'd probably be a problem because you'll probably miss a big play. But, I mean, I feel like that happens in other sports anyway. Um, and I feel like it happens in baseball anyway also because if you're – the lines to the bathrooms in the big stadiums are always long anyway and it usually takes forever to get in and get out. Uh, same thing with the getting food or anything at the concession stand the lines are always extremely long and it, you know you, you never get in and get out it always takes forever you know to get what you want to get back to your seat so you usually miss a big play anyway so i i don't think it's a huge difference um actually i think i like the pitch clock i've seen them out there sometimes during the games they'll show it on the screen um, i actually kind of like that almost like a shot clock up there you know for the pitcher so uh, i'm i i i don't think it's a bad thing I don't think it's a bad thing at all. What do you think, Clinton? To me, the pitch clock is um, an improvement for baseball. It shortens games. Um, like, like you said, it, it shorts the games um, about half an hour. Um, I think I like the pitch, pitch clock, too. I, I, I think it's um, an improvement to Major League Baseball. And it'll get... More fans in stadiums. It'll get uh, it'll make baseball a little bit than it was. Uh, they can make it a little more exciting. Is that yeah. what you're trying to say? 
All right. Um, I know there's been a few older pictures that have uh, kind of came out against the pitch clock. Uh, Max Scherzer is one. Um, he said that he thinks that pitchers' injuries will rise, putting him on a pitch clock like that. I mean, I guess I could see uh, what he's talking about because with the pitch clock, you know, a pitcher could potentially uh, pitch more, uh, throw more pitches on a pitch clock than he would in, a, in a normal circumstances. So I, I guess I could see that, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, if you're going to get injured, you're going to get injured. I think a lot of that has to do with how pitchers take care of themselves and players in general, you know, how they take care of themselves and, and uh, that's on your team for making sure that you get rested appropriately, especially for pitchers, you know, making sure that you're getting that, that rest in between your, your games that you pitch because pitchers don't pitch that many games in a season. You, you think about it, there's 160 games in the season and pitchers don't pitch 160 games. So I, you may see a rise in pitcher injuries, but uh, I don't think so. If it is, it'll just be a slight uptick. I, I think I don't think it'll be that that huge of a difference he, he, or that much more of a wear and tear on, on pitchers, my personal opinion, but I'm not a pitcher. So, you know, that's just my opinion. Um, anything else you want to talk about with the pitch clock? No. All right. So let's move on to our second topic. Uh, Brock, this is for you. You requested this, so I'm going to deliver it. Uh, we're going to talk about some Indiana football. So, let's start with um, their record last year. So, actually, I want to go back one more year to 2020, the COVID year, right? So, in that season, they actually had a really good season. They were 6-2, and two, and they beat Michigan um, that year. Yeah. They beat a couple of teams that year. Uh, they had a good year. And then the next year, they were 2-10. and 10. Um, They had a rough year. They, they went winless in the Big Ten. Um, and then last year... They were four and eight and two and seven in the Big Ten. So they're actually trending uh, in the right direction. Uh, in 2020, they were 19th of 128 teams. Their offense was 59th and their defense was 20th, which is good. In 2021, when they had that rough two and 10 year, they were 109th. Uh, in defense and 123rd in offense. And so, and last year in 2022, they were 100th in offense and 120th in defense. So, they got a little bit of work to do there. Um, at 4 and 8, uh, you know, yeah, they only won two more games, but I mean, at least they're training in the right direction. I think Tom Allen is a good coach. I think he will have them back being competitive in the Big Ten. If you look at their schedule and results, Jav here, they actually beat Illinois the first game of the season last year, 23-20, which is huge for them because, you know, look how good Illinois ended up being. You know, Illinois almost beat Michigan. Um, yeah, they gave them a jump scare. Yep, they beat uh, Idaho and they beat Western Kentucky. Let's look at some of their other games, right? So the Cincinnati game, they kind of got – Drug through the dirt a little bit, 45-24. But the Nebraska game, they were fairly close, 35-21. The Michigan game, they were close, 
it was 10-10 at the half. Um, Michigan didn't pull away to the second half, and Michigan only beat them 31-10. So uh, Indiana gave Michigan a, a big – they gave them a lot of problems defensively. So we'll see what happens this year in that game. But, I mean, that's a plus. The, the fact that they held the Michigan offense something that Penn State couldn't do or Ohio State couldn't do. So the fact that Indiana did it means at least they're they're learning and they're getting a little bit better, right? So let's look at the Maryland game. They were right in that Maryland game. And if I'm not mistaken, they almost won the Maryland game. Uh, they barely lost 38-33 to in the Maryland game last year. So, again, right there. Maryland's another team that gave Michigan a scare. Like they, they hung around Michigan for the majority of the game. Um, so Rutgers, they barely lost, 24-17. to 17. Again, right there in that game, really close. Could have won that game, could have won the Maryland game. Uh, you know, Penn State was in Ohio State. Obviously, both were, were blowouts, but those guys have – both those teams have elite prospects and were really, really good last year so I mean you can't fault Indiana for that the Michigan State game they won they beat Michigan State 39-31 so again that's a plus you know Michigan State also gave Michigan a hard time with their defense um, I know the game results looked a lot different but you know that game was pretty pretty close for the majority of the game Michigan kind of ran away with it in the second half like they did against everybody so the Purdue game uh, was 30-16 to so uh, you know, Purdue obviously was the Big Ten West champ, and they played Michigan in the Big Ten Championship, and uh, they gave Michigan a run for their money. So the fact that Indiana hung around and it was 30-16, to 16, I, I think Indiana is uh, – they're, they're trending in the right direction. I, I think they'll be okay. Uh, if you look at their 2023 class, the class itself was ranked 42 overall. It's about average for Indiana. Um, they got some pretty good kids in there from uh, Florida. They got a kid from Shreveport, Louisiana, three stars. But if you look at their rating, uh, both of them rated 88, which is a plus. That means they have high potential. Um, but another thing I want to look at is last year they got some transfers in. They got an offensive lineman from Wisconsin. They got an edge rusher from Oregon. Uh, I'm just going to – they had several transfers uh, in, but I'm just going to hit the the big ones here. So here's one right here. They got a quarterback from Tennessee that transferred in last year, uh, Tavian Jackson. You know, uh, that kid's probably he's you know he's a redshirt freshman. That kid's probably in line to start this year. And so he was a four star recruit, and he had a 90 ranking uh, as a transfer, right? So that means he was still the high. He was still highly rated as a transfer. He was. Rated four star ninety one um, as a recruit, you know, coming out of high school. So, you know, Indiana fans, you got helps on the way. Uh, this kid looks like he's six three two twelve was what he was when he transferred. He's originally from Greenwood, Indiana. So, uh, but he's a four star prospect uh, coming out of high school, and he was a four star prospect as a transfer. And so, the reason why that's significant is a lot of times. For instance, let's look at this Max Longman kid. You know, he was a two-star out of high school, but now he's rated as a three-star transferring from UMass as a transfer recruit. Um, sometimes five-star recruits uh, coming out of high school are four-stars, but when they transfer, they get, you know, 
downgraded to like a three or two star. Another guy I want to point out that transferred into Indiana last year was Marcus Burris Jr. He's a defensive lineman that came from Texas A&M. Another four-star recruit. Uh, he's a four-star recruit out of high school. He's rated 93 overall, and he was a four-star recruit uh, in the transfer portal, ranked 90 overall. So Indiana is going to have some pretty good depth there at the at the defense and defensive line. Here's a wide receiver who was a two-star recruit out of high school, but a four-star recruit in the transfer portal. So that mean, and he's rated, he was rated 78 overall coming out of high school. He's rated 90 overall in the transfer portal. Um, so he came from a small college. That's a plus for them. And Indiana also got EJ Williams out of Clemson who transferred in last year to Indiana, who was a four-star recruit, 96 overall coming out of high school. He's a, you know, knocked down to a three-star an 87 rating in the transfer portal, but uh, you know that that could always change. They got a, another defensive lineman, Andre Carter. Looks like he came out of Western Kentucky and transferred, or Western Michigan and transferred to IU. Um, he is a dense defensive lineman, edge rusher. He was uh, a three-star out of high school, rated a 83 overall. He was a rated a four star and ninety three overall in the transfer portal. Uh, you know he he transferred into IU last year, so all these guys are probably going to be in line to get a start. And the last guy I want to look at is Jameer Johnson. He's a a DB. He transferred from Texas over to IU. He was a four star coming out of high school, rated ninety overall, and he got knocked down to a three star, but he's still rated eighty seven overall, and he's six foot and one seventy five. So even though their their uh, recruiting class overall was only a 42, they got some pretty good uh, players coming in that transfer portal. Uh, you know, Tom, Tom Allen and the Hoosiers hit that transfer portal pretty hard. So all these kids should get an opportunity, you know, at some playing time this year, I would think. So uh, everything's not all bad in Bloomington. They got some players who could really show out this year and make some noise. Um, and uh, you know, help IU get back to maybe eight and five, uh, or somewhere of that nature. Uh, it's always going to be tough for IU in the Big Ten East because the Big Ten East is stacked. Um, the Big Ten East reminds me of the SEC West. It's stacked, right? You have yeah. uh, in Big Michigan. Ten East, you have Michigan, Ohio State, Penn, Penn State. State. You know, Michigan State is is good occasionally here and there. So, you know, Maryland is always a decent team. So, you know, it's a stacked division. So, it's always tough sledding for a team like IU. But there have been years where they've given Michigan and Ohio State scares in the same year. So, especially in Bloomington. Michigan always struggles playing IU in Bloomington. I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. There's something about Bloomington that, that IU really gets up to play those games. Um. The 22 recruiting class, which some of these kids should be coming back. Carter Smith, an offensive tackle here. He was a four-star coming out of high school. He's out of the state of Ohio. Uh, he was a four-star, 93 overall ranking. So uh, they got a tight end over here out of Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, who's probably in line to get a start since A.J. Barner transferred to Michigan. Uh, that kid was a four-star at high school, 90 overall. 
Uh, they got a safety here, Philip Dunnan. Uh, you know, he was a four-star recruit out of high school, 90 overall. Uh, so I use got some people to work with. Uh, you know, I, I think they'll be all right. I think they're going to surprise some teams. I think they're going to get some wins. Some of those close games that they lost last year, I think that uh, they'll probably win this year. I don't know if they'll beat Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State, but unless something drastically changes in uh, East Lansing, I think they could beat Michigan State again. I think they could uh, beat Maryland this year. They have an opportunity to pull up their schedule this year. Let's see who all they play this year. Okay. Let's take a look at that schedule. Let's see if we can make some predictions here. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you, what do you think uh, as far as as uh, what I just covered as far as their transfers in transfers who transferred in and recruits? Well, I think um, I agree with you. I think uh, they they're they're on their way. They're on the right path to being a uh, you know to kind of being a jump scare. Like like a competitive team. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. They're on their way, but. Um, they're not there yet, but the transfers, um, yet last, like, I got a lot of transfers from this year and last year. Um, they did lose Jack Tuttle and A.J. Barner. That was a little bit of a loss for them, but, um, I think Trayvon Jackson will be able to start this year and have a good year this year and lead Indiana to... Be a competitive team in the Big uh, Ten Yeah, I think they're recruits. There are some recruits in there. They're getting recruits, but. Uh. Let's look at the schedule here. So they start off, they open up against uh, Ohio, Ohio State, State. Bloomington. Uh, at Bloomington, so. Uh, I think I have to go back and look, but I think Ohio State has struggled in Bloomington before, also. So, yeah, they have. chances are Ohio State's going to win that game, but you know anything can happen in Bloomington. So, uh, let's look at uh, Indiana State. That's a winnable game. They should be able to beat Indiana State. Uh, Akron, Akron's a winnable game. They should be able to beat Akron. Louisville was. Eight and five last year. Uh, they were four and four in the conference. Yep. They uh, they played a close game against Florida State. They lost to Boston College. Uh, obviously, Clemson. Yes. They lost to Kentucky. Um, so I, IU definitely has a chance to. To beat Louisville, that would be an interesting game to watch. Um, so we already talked about the Maryland game. I think they have an opportunity. Is that Maryland game at IU or Maryland? Let me see. It is at. Is that Maryland? So uh, that'll be that'll be tough. It's always tough to play in somebody else's home, but I still think IU has a chance to, to beat Maryland this year. Uh, let's go their schedule again. So then you got Michigan. Michigan um, I might be a little biased in this one, but they're losing that game. Um, 
they'll have an opportunity to, to win that Red Cruz game. So right now we're looking at uh, one, two, three, four potential wins. Uh, Penn State game, they're probably not going to win. Penn State's definitely a tough game. Wisconsin game, I think they have an opportunity to win. I know Luke Fickle just took over, but um, he's got a lot of work to do there in Wisconsin. We'll see how uh, his coaches in the new offensive scheme and defensive scheme fit in there, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Illinois will be a tough game for sure, but uh, IU might – that that'll they have a chance to beat Illinois again. So, um, Michigan State, I think they'll beat Michigan State again. I think Michigan State's gonna have a rough year. Uh-oh. Purdue, I don't know. It depends on the coach. So Illinois lost their defense coordinator to Purdue. He's now the head coach over there. So we'll see how that works out. Um, he was definitely a great defensive coordinator. We'll see how that translates to being a head coach. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Being as that is a new head coach, Indiana has a chance to win that final game against Purdue um, just because that's another reason why I'm giving a chance to beat Illinois because I don't know. I got to look and see who Illinois hired as their replacement defensive coordinator for um, the guy that they lost to Purdue as the head coach. But you never know what that new defensive scheme is going to look like, and it may not be as good as the one from last year. So. You know, you could have an opportunity to win that game. So I, I think they could get at least seven, six to seven wins out of their schedule this year. I think ceiling is eight. Um, I think their floor, you're probably looking at six, six wins, six to seven wins. Um, I think that's very manageable for IU, and I think it's very, uh, they could make it happen. I, I don't, I don't see why not. Um, but it also depends on how they play, um, how those players develop that came in. But I think they have some players and some talent that can get them to eight wins, at least seven, seven to eight wins. Um, but I, I think at a bare minimum they could improve to get six wins this year as opposed to the four they had last year. I think they could improve by two more wins. I don't think that's too far-fetched or, or too outrageous or out of the box to think that they could at least win six games this year at a bare, you know, the floor for them, six wins, I think. Um, Um, So what do you think? My thoughts on this, week one against Ohio State. I really want them to win that game, by the way, but I know they probably won't. I I would pay to see them win that game. (laughs) Um, They're going 0-1. And that's a face Indiana State. That's a winnable game right there. We're going one and one. And Louisville, yeah. Louisville's a toss up. They could win it and they could not. So that one I'm not sure about. That's um, I agree there. That that's one of those things where it's you know they could win it and they could not. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. I think they can maybe beat Louisville by maybe maybe five. Um, Akron, I think they can beat them. That's a winnable game right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, three and one. Then Maryland, eh, yeah, I think that's a winnable game for them. So they're four and one. And then here for Indiana, I mean, Michigan. So, uh, I think I, I, 
There's room. So Maryland's new offensive coordinator is Josh Gaddis. Oh, wow. And I don't know if you know the significance of that. Oh, wow. He was the offensive coordinator for Michigan. And he wasn't, when he left, their offense got better. So just throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> wow. You know I gotta change this. Three and two for Indiana. So uh, I think that makes Maryland a very winnable game for them. Go ahead, keep going. So the four and one, and they're gonna lose to Michigan. So four, four and two. Rutgers, yeah, I think they can win that one. So the five and two right now. Penn State right here, yeah, he beats. Now, um, one through five three. Uh, and then Wisconsin, they, they have an opportunity to win. They have. Yeah, so Wisconsin, I, I'm on the fence with for the same reason as Illinois because it's a new coaching staff. You got to see how the players are going to respond to the new scheme. You know, the new scheme might not always fit the players. So that's kind of why I think that's winnable for Indiana, just depending on how those players respond to the new schemes on offense and defense. Go ahead. Uh, and then Illinois. Illinois is a tough team out of here, but they did lose uh, their quarterback, Devin Lewis. But no, I, I think that's a win for them. Okay. I think that's a win for Illinois after they lost uh, their defense coordinator, you said, like you said earlier. Well, see, Illinois still be tough because Brett Bellema is there and he's a good coach. Yeah, he is. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that falls for them. It might be a down year for Illinois because I know they lost several players to the draft. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Michigan State. That's winnable because um, Michigan State's quarterback transferred to Auburn. I saw that. So. Peyton Thorn. Yeah, Peyton Thorn. They also lost uh, their wide receiver, didn't they? Didn't he transfer out to Jalen Naylor? Or I know one got drafted. And I thought another one transferred. But I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. I, I don't yeah. pay attention to that Michigan State team much. And then Purdue. So Purdue lost Aiden O'Connell, their mm -hmm. QB, and Charlie Jones to the draft. Yeah, Charlie Jones will be a big loss, but I'm oh, sure yeah. they got another wide receiver ready to step up. But yeah, And they lost their head coach because he went back to Louisville. Yep. So um, I think that's a winnable game for them because... Purdue has lost a lot. They've lost their coach, their QB, and their wide receiver. So and I think that's winnable for them. It's yeah. All right. Well, uh, you got anything you want to add from there? I, I think, I know it's a tough Big Ten East, but uh, I think between their crossover games and their preseason games, I think you know, six, I think six wins is achievable for them. I think they can continue to improve uh, with Tom Allen. I don't think there's any reason not to think so. I, I think seven wins is available for them. I think seven wins, seven or eight wins for me. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's suitable for them this year. All right. Well, that'll do it for our podcast for today. We thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time on The Common Man's Take on Sports.